what's going on? Welcome inside the TCO Radio Studio. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast brought to you by Pepsi. I'm Gabe Henderson. I'm alongside Vikings.com's Tatum Everett. And our special guest of the night, Mr. Ben Gessling, who is from the Star Tribune. Eric Davidson produces this show. And Ben, um, the Vikings, well, I'll start it off with this. Who said you needed to score touchdowns to win games in the NFL? Two well, straight weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty uncommon. Um, <laughs> the the I think matched the lowest scoring win in Vikings history, first yep. time since 1971. Okay. So Packers, right? Was that the yes, Packers? against the Packers at the Mets. Mm. Fred Cox hit a game winner in the fourth quarter. So Fred Cox and Greg Joseph are kindred spirits, I guess. And then rewind back to the week prior, the Bears yep. don't score a touchdown and they beat us. So yep. it's you know the 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 game of football is evolving, Tatum. It certainly is. And if you know, I, I, I was kinda I kinda had a bone to pick with a lot of fans who we're so used to seeing so many explosive offenses. I I love a defensive game. I really truly do. I know that that might be in the minority of 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 decision. I put any of kind of money. Opinions. Anybody's listening right now are going to be like Tatum. You're by yourself on this. Yeah, but I, I know. respect it. I respect it. So growing up in the South and watching a lot of great SEC defenses, that was kind of like where I really learned my love of football. And so I just have a I like watching a good defense. Now, do I have a lot of question marks about this offense? Of course I do because it shouldn't be a three nothing game. But I love a shutout any day of the week. I love the way that um, it, it goes back and forth and like every every small tiny minute decision matters. Um, so. I mean, I, I said it. I, th- I don't know where I said it, but I was like, I'm. I wish people would just be like, hey, like it's it's a good defensive game. It was sure the offense was meh, but like yeah. it was a great defensive game. Yeah, for for sure. And just thinking about uh, just the the first three quarters, Ben, you were there. Just how how did you see the defense kind of step up in those moments? Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of the things that we've seen throughout the course of the season played out where it's they're forcing throws underneath because of the the zone coverages and then all of the pass rush that forces Aiden O'Connell to get rid of the ball quickly. But the tackling, I, I thought, was especially good. Um, th- there were a lot of plays where they the ball would be underneath and you'd think a guy has room to, to make something happen. And the perimeter tackling, I think especially, was a lot of the reason that they were able to force punts like they were and keep the Raiders really from not only not scoring, but not even attempting a field goal. So um, I, I think that stuck out, and um, it, it just, like you said, Tatum, it's one of those games where you had to have everything because any one play could have set up Daniel Carlson for a field goal, and that never happened. Jordan Hicks was a huge part of this defense, one of the main tacklers, I guess you yep. could say, leading up into his injury. How do you think they've been able to, especially with Ivan Pace in the mix, been able to step up in his absence and still almost like not skip a beat? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ivan Pace, I think, has deserved a lot of credit and has received a lot of credit this week for the way he's handled it. Um, you know, really an impressive rookie season as, as a whole. And we had seen that coming into this. But, I mean, I thought when Jordan Hicks went down – and the way people talked about it, the way Brian Flores talked about it, the way Kevin O'Connell talked about it, you could tell what he means to this team and the season he was having. There was certainly a, a void there. There was a, a felt loss, I think. The impact of him being out was certainly not lost on these coaches. So for Ivan Pace to come in there and do what he's done to the point where they really haven't, like you say, they haven't missed a beat very much, Um it's been being assignment sound. It's, I think, being a more effective pass rusher probably than people would have expected from 
uh, an undrafted rookie, and it's been being able to to keep everything kind of in, in check in front of him running that huddle. I, and Jordan Hicks, we'll we'll see if he gets back, but you know it it's been awfully impressive to watch Ivan Pace this year. And I wonder how because there's not like a runaway defensive rookie of the year candidate mm-hmm. this year, at least as as far as I've been able to see. So you know, an off ball so linebacker, it's a there. hard one thing. It's a hard thing to win, okay. but. You know, I I think he's certainly going to be in the conversation. Mm. Well, well, speaking of conversation, I was leads me to what I really wanted to ask you next was with the way that the defense is carrying through these past couple of games, especially, I, I mean, really this whole entire season. How much should Brian Flores's name be mentioned in the conversation for coordinator of the year? Well, I mean, I think pretty high on that list. I mean, it, it's you know to 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 watch this defense do what it's done I mean I kind of thought beginning of the season the the setup was something to the effect of offense has a lot of proven skill position players a lot of proven talent this is a 13-win team that had a defense that was ranked 28th or 29th in the league last year if it improves to the point where it's 15th 18th night you know whatever 19th 20th that's going to be enough of an improvement that the offense will take care of itself, and you're getting the stops that you need. So to see it now, where it's been, you know, it's ranked fifth in the league, I think, yep. in, in points allowed, and um, you haven't really seen anybody crack it yet. Now it, it has not been a murderer's row of quarterbacks sure. lately, but you have not seen this thing where people have started to figure it out because it continues to shift and evolve and. The number of players that have executed a scheme that a lot that requires a lot of make on the fly decisions, make a lot of checks pre snap, make a lot of reads on what you're going to get from the offense and communicate those things across the defense for a young group to not see the busted coverages. I mean, you kind of expected at some point, okay, there's a lot going on in this defense. There's a lot of guys that have not played significant snaps in the NFL. There's going to be some breakdown at some point or another. That really has not happened much at all. So I think the scheme, the way they've taught it, the way they've executed it, the the development you've seen from some of these young players, yeah, certainly is a credit to, I mean, to the staff, but also, I mean, certainly to Brian Flores, probably foremost of all. And yeah, it's it's been awfully impressive to watch I certainly would say that speaking of being impressed you know you did hit a good make a good point fifth in total defense this Minnesota Vikings team is right now but the thing that stands out to me is the run defense the Vikings are a top five run defense in the NFL and that's something that we haven't been able to do these past couple of years so to be able to do that Harrison Phillips Walter Payton man of the year what are some other guys you would say are key contributors to this Vikings run D. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it. It's like that that game in Philadelphia week two where the Eagles basically said, we're just going to run the ball the entire game. To be ranked as well as they are in run defense with that still on the resume, it has been an awfully big change here in the last few weeks. And and you mentioned Harrison Phillips. That's been a big part of it. I, I think you've seen contributions from a lot of guys in that line that don't get a ton of credit. Jonathan Bullard has yeah. made some plays, Kyrus Tonga. Um, Jaqueline Roy has had some moments where he's coming as well, but it's been it's been that it's been guys at the second level. It's been Josh Metellus. I mean, there's there's a lot of things. Daniel Hunter continues to be a, a sound. I mean, he's known for his pass rushing, but he's a sound run defender that hustles. How is he not in the discussion for defensive player of the year? I, I, I think he, he is. Yeah, I, I think mean, he is. I, mean, right? he's not, I feel like since we're such in a small market, people don't really give his name much. So yeah, it's like, and he's not eh. the. I mean, he's got not a guy that draws a ton of attention to himself true, either. True, so true. I mean, some of these things are are branding to some degree, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But 
But yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that has always been that way. He always done his job against the run and has not played that position saying, I'm just going to go after the quarterback and whatever happens on the run, I'm not worried about it. So the fact that he does that, the fact that you've had people on the defensive line kind of step into into contributing roles, and it's been impressive, especially because most of the time, and the default personnel grouping, the base defense for this team is in the nickel. Right. I mean, it's three safeties on the field all the time, but whether it's 2-4 in front of those five, whether it's 3-3, three, three, I mean, you occasionally see a 4-2, but it's, yeah. you're not playing heavy personnel very much. So teams have incentive to say, let's try to run it, I would think. And the fact that they haven't been able to do that, a lot of people have executed their assignments at a pretty high level. That's what we need, and uh, what we need right now is for this offense to start executing some assignments. Just yeah. understanding that there's another quarterback change this year. This will be the fourth, well, I guess the third time that we've had a starting different starting quarterback this season. Mm-hmm. So, well, fourth time because Jaron Hall started in Atlanta. Right, right. What are realistic expectations for for Nick Mullins? Well, I think you saw shades of it at the end last week, where the ball is coming out a little bit quicker. The time that he's had in this offense, that obviously. Josh Dobbs and, and Jaron Hall have not. You see some of those things, I think, play out. So it's running the offense efficiently. It's keeping the offense out of third and longs, out of turnovers, out of sacks, all those types of things. I mean, I, I think that's probably the, that's the the first order of business. And, I, you know, it's not going to be probably the most explosive offense in the world, but there's enough skill position players on this team that yeah. can run after the catch that some of it is just getting – Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, the ball in space and letting them go to work. You, it's not having to throw 25 yards downfield, although he did have some downfield moments mm-hmm. on Sunday. I mean, the, the throw to Hawkinson, the throw to Addison that kind of set up the game winner. I mean, he showed he can he can push the ball downfield. And there were a couple of times there where I thought he had an underneath throw, and he says, now I'm going to take the, the high corner, I think, on the one to Addison on, and uh, – so that was impressive to watch. But, you know, if if you get to the point with him where he's throwing for 220 yards a game and not turning the ball over, that should be enough. Jake Browning numbers right there. Well, yeah. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. I mean, we, we mentioned the, the defense and not having seen this in a while, but some of these formulas that you start to think about in terms of 17 points, 20 points, whatever it is, will win you a lot of games. I mean, these are the conversations – that people had around here when Mike Zimmer was here. At the the height of the Mike Zimmer defenses, that was a lot of the talk. They only need to score 20, 21 points, and they're going to win most of the time. So that does feel like the formula a little bit right now. I mean, even Kevin O'Connell's speech after the game on Sunday, it's and he's saying you, you understand that you have to play to the strengths of your team. And the team, as it's currently constituted, is built around a defense. And if you get the skill position players healthy, there's a formula there to make it work. It's not the one that everybody expected, but I think it can be done. I also think something from the Raiders game to take home from from the offense, at least from a positive perspective, was the physicality up front and the yeah. ability to control the line of scrimmage. The run game, it may have been one of their best performances, um, really just trying to plug along while they obviously the passing game was struggling. And if they can give that support to Mullins moving mm-hmm. forward, how much do you think that could play a role? And do you see them building off of that? I mean, that's something that they've been hard. It's been hard for them to get going. Yeah, I mean, I think Sunday, in terms of success rate in the run, basically in terms of how often you are making appreciable progress towards the first down, I think they had their highest rate of the year on Sunday. I think it was fifty-six percent against the Raiders, and the Bengals have not had 
good numbers against the run. The Packers have shown a lot of trouble against the run like they did on Monday night against the Giants. So there is going to be room there to run the ball. And I thought, I mean, like you said, I mean, Alexander Madison had some nice runs in terms of being able to make cuts and make a couple guys miss, but a lot of it was the offensive line kind of being able to reset the line of scrimmage, being able to push the defense at the Raiders defensive front a couple of yards back, three yards back, making it so that whoever has the ball is not getting hit right away, which we've seen a lot of this year. And for that to happen with a lot of changes happening on the offensive line where Ed Ingram's not in the game, Brian O'Neill goes out, Dalton Reisner goes out for at least a couple of plays, it was impressive. And I think the physicality that they showed, the commitment to that, you're going to see more of that. I mean, they're, I think, have averaged since Cousins went out 32 runs a game. And some of that's Dobbs, yes, yeah. but the overall number is like the fifth or sixth highest in the league. So it's it's been, I mean, defense and run the ball, it's, it's uh, you know, which, Not what you just thought, what you expect right? from Kevin right. O'Connell. <laughs> right. For a guy who wants to throw the ball 50 times a game, yeah. who needs to Just run? Just gotta do what point? it takes to yeah. win, right? Yeah. That's all. all. Right. Well, we're winning in the first segment of this break, but let's run to our commercials and make sure we pay some bills. So we'll be right back with more with Ben Gessling right here on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Spalon Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury, and Chanhassen, there is a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spalon.com. Say hello to flawlessly smooth skin at Pure Lux Med Spa, the preferred med spa of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. Specializing in elite laser hair removal, body contouring, Botox, cosmetic filter, and age-defying skincare treatments such as Diamond Glow and Skin Pen for collagen induction therapy. For more information, visit MyPureLux.com backslash Vikings for exclusive offers to Vikings fans. That's www.MyPureLux.com backslash Vikings. We are back in action. Vikings football coming off of a win last week in Las Vegas is back on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday at 12 p.m. Central Time on NFL Network. Uh, ben Gessling is here. Tatum Everett is here. Our producer, Eric Davidson, is here. My name is Gabe Henderson. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. And Ben, uh, just understanding that we're going to be in another game where there are two quarterbacks that didn't start the season yeah. off. How do you make sense of what we really can expect at Paycor Stadium on Saturday? Well, I mean, it's it's been kind of the, the story of the NFL season that you've seen all these high-profile quarterbacks go down. And I was looking this up this week. I, I don't know that it's statistically unusual yet in terms of the number of teams that have played a couple of different quarterbacks. I think it's 14 now. I think the Chargers might be the 14th. Hmm. Somebody can check me on that. But I, I think with Justin Herbert going out, it's right in that neighborhood that yeah. almost half the league has used him. But you've seen a lot of, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins. I'm sure I'm missing a couple. Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have gone out. I mean, Brock Purdy was out for at least a, a bit. Derek Carr. Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of veterans or you know, high-level guys that have missed time. So it has become Joe Burrow, obviously. Yeah. We're going to yeah. see this on Sunday. Oh, <laughs> heartbroken. 
<laughs> Sorry, side note. No, you're good. You got, you got, <laughs> okay. you got your tigers there. They're I know. Still, I'm just so heartbroken. It's, it's fine. Okay. You know, for, selfishly heartbroken. Yeah. Thankfully, the Vikings don't have to face like that. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah, Even that's Jake, a little different I mean, challenge. Jake Browning is playing very well, which is interesting because we've seen him before. Yes. It's another yes. Viking, former Viking yep. quarterback who's yep. getting some time in the league while we're facing them, which is quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, and he's looked, I think, better than... It's night practice, yeah. Jake Brown. Yeah. That's what I was about yes. to say. People forget about <laughs> it. Looked that. like the night People practice. Forget about yeah, when he we had to play all time quarterback. I mean, he, he probably had what 700, 800 passing yeah. yards that night. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe it helped. Maybe that was it helped. a TCO record. He, he led a go ahead drive, and then Jake Browning was unable to answer <laughs> Jake Browning after Jake Browning led a touchdown drive. So I mean, it was some good and bad there, I guess. But yeah, Ever that that was like kind of his again, shining right? moment. Yeah. <laughs> Should we give a backstory for fans who are listening? So 2020, the COVID year. Uh, this there would were, have been 2021. 2021, mm-hmm. the yeah. COVID year, uh, there were three quarterbacks in the room, Kirk Cousins, Sean May, and Jake Browning. Oh, and Kellen Mott. And Kellen Mott, so four quarterbacks. So, of course, with the COVID protocols, if somebody gets or tests positive, yep. everyone in that room has to either retest or they can't. Can't be yeah, a direct contact, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So, long story short, afterwards, Jake Browning was the only quarterback the day of that yes. was healthy in enough front of all to the practice. Fans. It was TCO night practice <laughs> yep. to Tatum's point. Continue, Ben. Yeah, it was. It was, and I think he had people something. dunking him with water afterwards. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It was. It was a, quite a scene. But yeah, it was kind of the thing that everybody remembers him for around here, I suppose. But I know he impressed a lot of people in this building through that camp and and through his time here. So it's been. Interesting to watch him in Cincinnati. He's, I mean, he's had some days where he had, I think, went out with cramps on Sunday, but he was dealing before that. So, um, I mean, they have a lot of weapons with Chase and, and T. Higgins and you know Tyler Boyd. So, it, yeah. It, yeah, Mixon, they've had trouble running the ball, but there's a lot of skill position talent there. It's a little bit of a mirror image, I suppose, I agree. in the sense that I agree. there's enough high-level skill players there headlined by the LSU receivers Um that if you have a quarterback that can get them the ball, you can make more things happen than you would think, even though the starter is out for both teams. Yeah, no, I think I think it is interesting because because you when you see these backups come in, sometimes you see different stars stand out. Yep. So while we do know those big names, now you have to worry about a Tanner Hudson. You have to worry about a Chase Brown. Yeah. So you have these guys that maybe have worked with Jake, second yep. team reps, yep. getting those in. So you're, now you're worried about that as well. However, I. I like the fact that this run game got going in this Raiders game, and that's kind of what I like seeing in this matchup. I do think that you're going to have to rely on that in this one for Mullins, but um, I'm excited to see his confidence in there and 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 to see what this defense can do. Um, you know, I, I hope that it's not another Ryan Wright game, personally. Yeah. I mean, I do like defense, but I don't like as many punts. Yeah, I mean— it was. Uh, it was a, <laughs> she prefers missed field Ryan, goals. Ryan Wright had a good day, but <laughs> really uh, good day. missed field yeah. goals. No, I'm joking. no, that's <laughs> an Alabama thing. JK, JK, JK. I love this data. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, quite a quite a showdown of the punters between Ryan Wright and AJ Cole launching one 83 yards. That's I, crazy. Yeah. When that came off his foot. I thought he shanked that. I mean, it, just in the press box, it looked like a line drive. It's hard it was to a see from the press miss, box, but, though. So yeah, to your credit, like, good grief. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, the thing just kept flying, so it was like one of those. It must have been on purpose because he had, I think, a couple more that were kind of that line drive style kick, and and uh, yeah, he, he they, both those punters had a heck of a day and had to have it obviously when nobody's scoring. Yeah, sometimes you need that twelfth man on the field, and 
in this case, it was Ryan Wright just being able to flip the field for, yeah. for our defense. And uh, Tatum started off with, with what she liked about Sunday's matchup. And uh, just understanding we do this segment called Pepsi, that's what yeah. I like segment. Mm-hmm. She likes the run game for this Minnesota Vikings team. What's one thing that you like going into Saturday's matchup against the Bengals? I mean, I think the ability to get pressure on Jake Browning, I think is going to be – a big factor in this. So, you know, Daniel Hunter against that Bengals offensive line, I, I think there's opportunities for him there. He was had a, a shot at, at sack number 14 mm-hmm. against the Raiders and I think set up one for, I think it was DJ Wanham that cleaned it up. So, yeah, I mean, I think the opportunities to pressure Jake Browning, I mean, it's we've seen this a lot this year with young quarterbacks where Brian Flores' defense has caused a lot of trouble because it's a lot of looks that you don't see. It's, a, it's not a scheme that has a lot of peers in the NFL in terms of people playing that way. So it's not like, oh, we see film of this other team and it's like this last team we saw. I mean, you you know, the Vic Fangio type defense that the Vikings were in last year, I do think there was some of that where it's, okay, everybody practices against a similar version of this, whether it's Green Bay or the Chargers or the Rams or the Broncos have run it. The Dolphins probably are doing some of that now with Fangio being there. With Brian Flores' approach to defense, you don't see it really anywhere else. So I think that is always a little bit of a shock for some of these teams. It's a little bit like, remember a couple of years ago when the Vikings were playing in Baltimore, it's we don't see teams that have an offense that operates like the Ravens do with Lamar Jackson. So there's just not those banked reps in practice. And I think that always leads to a bit of a shock, a bit of an adjustment for offenses, especially when they have young quarterbacks. So... I think the pass rush especially is a factor in this one. I agree. Um, just seeing what Daniel Hunter has done this year, Tatum, you can probably speak to it from a you know, a broader perspective. Like, I don't think we've been able to witness something this good on the defensive side of the ball in purple since we've been here, correct? I would say so, but it's also, I think, a big reflection on this health uh the player performance uh, here right now because he's now been able to stay healthy for two straight seasons and you're really able to see just how talented he is and how valuable he is to the defense. And that's really a tribute to player performance and Tyler Williams and Uriah and and their team to make sure that he's – you know, in tip-top shape and not not struggling with the same, almost like, I wouldn't say freak injuries, but just like yeah. very rare injuries that he had before uh, the last two seasons, like three years ago, four yeah. years ago. Yeah, and it's, I mean, he was a guy that before those two seasons, like it was 20 and 21 that he had him, mean, it was it was his neck in 20 and then the pectoral muscle in 21. Before that, he was the fastest player in NFL history to 50 sacks. I mean, Crazy. he was, this is a guy that was on a gold jacket trajectory and those two years kind of took him off of the map. But I mean, I remember a couple of weeks ago in the press box, I'm sitting there, and Andrew Kramer goes, he just passed Jared Allen in yeah. sacks in Vikings history. Uh, a couple more years to do it, but also had a couple of those years taken away from injuries. So, I mean, he, he has put together quite a resume in his time in Minnesota in large part because – he does a lot of he, – he's always – I mean, coaches always talk about how, how coachable he is, how much he absorbs coaching, finds ways to execute what they want, finds ways to improve his game. You pair that with an athletic skill set that's hard to match, you see these types of things come back. So, I mean, you, you talk about the last time we saw a performance like this. I mean, Daniil Hunter is doing the 
best version of this since, mm-hmm. I would say probably since Daniil Hunter. I mean, like Daniil <laughs> yeah. Hunter in 2017, yeah. 2018, 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of those years where he's getting 14, 14 and a half sacks. I mean, this may be on a, even another level, but he has shown before that he is capable of this. And it's certainly been fun to watch him get back to that, if not exceed that level. That's a great take. And before we get out of here, I'm just going to give my quick thing that I like about Saturday's matchup. Just the backup quarterback, like the backup quarterbacks on both teams, that matchup, (laughs) I believe is going to be key, I mean, of course, to winning this game. When I look at Nick Mullins play play the game of football, I understand. It helps me understand how much football is timing and chemistry. Yeah. He doesn't have the arm strength. He's not the tallest guy. But when you look at just some of the throws that he makes – He's always ahead of the curve, and that's yep. something that I that I really appreciate about his game. He kind of just sticks to what he knows. And then Jake Browning is literally the same exact quarterback. Yep. So to your point of two mirroring teams of, you know, really good star power on the outside and running backs that haven't figured it out yet. Now you have two quarterbacks that, if their timing is off, that affects the entire game. Yep. So we'll see what uh, Saturday at noon at Pecor Stadium looks like uh, with those two. Uh, guys, you know, taking the reps for both the orange and the purple. Uh, before we get out of here, just your final thoughts on Saturday's matchup. Well, I, it's an interesting game, and it's one that you looked at at the beginning of the season when you see all four teams <laughs> that had been in the conference championship mm-hmm. game on the schedule. This is one you had circled as one of the tougher road matchups of the year. Probably this in Philadelphia. Easily. Um, I still think it's that. It's it looks different, certainly without Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. But I still think it's a tough matchup in the sense that the Bengals have played a lot of playoff games the last couple of years. This is a team with a lot of pedigree that has won and played deep in two seasons the last few years. So it is, I think, an opportunity as the Vikings look at trying to assert themselves, and certainly they're in good playoff position, but still a chance, believe it or not, they're they're in control of their own destiny in the division, still a chance to win the division, certainly a chance to assert themselves heading into the playoffs those NFC North matchups coming up after mm-hmm. this, I, I think it is definitely an opportunity because it's going to be a test. I, I think going in there, it's a, a good fan base. It'll be not frigid, but chilly. So it's December football outside yeah. against a team that's played a lot of playoff games. I certainly think it's a good test. I truly think that, and I don't want to say it could feel like a playoff game because I don't think it will have that magnitude, but with these teams yeah. both fighting for their playoff hopes right now, same record. Yeah. Gosh, so many mirroring subjects yeah. in this thing. But they, they're not they, – I, I think the Ravens will win the division. Is that is that a decided thing yet? I don't know that no, it's not decided, yet. but not it's yet. still pretty close. Steelers are kind of – So I, th- I think that the Vikings have a better chance to win their division than they do there. So yeah. they're fighting for that wild card. So I could see like – Things running hot in this yeah. game for sure. And, and the that AFC feeling, is pretty contested too. Yes, yep. yes. So I, I'm excited for this one. My first time in that stadium, I'm excited to see yeah. that as well. So, yeah, should yeah, be it's, fun. It's always kind of – I always end up st- – I mean, you end up staying in Kentucky a lot of the time. And so uh, I always stay at a hotel. Bourbon Trail. Right across, the, uh, right across the river. So you end up walking from Kentucky to Ohio. So Adorable. It's, I love it. And you walk across state lines. I nice. love that. Kind of fun. And you can say, hey, I've been to Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of the test, that test starts 12 p.m. Saturday at Paycor Stadium. Uh, to study for that test, you can listen to the pregame show right here at 10 a.m. with Mike Musman. This is going to be a great matchup. Two teams with the same record. The series is tied 7-7 seven to seven between the two teams. So someone will have the advantage 
at Paycor Stadium on Saturday. So for our producer, Eric Davidson, Tatum Everett from Vikings.com, and Ben Gessling from the Star, Tribu- Star Tribune, my name is Gabe Henderson. We will talk to you all next week. Whether you are hosting a tailgate party or getting together with family and friends for the holidays, dairy is a staple to bring creamy, rich goodness to your table. Find delicious new recipes at usdairy.com to up your game. Brought to you by Undeniably Dairy.